Hello and welcome to Careers by Design, the interviews. I'm Sharon belden Castingway, Director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University. Today I'm speaking with Jed Hoyer, Class of 1996, Executive Vice President and General Manager of the Chicago Cubs. Now Jed, you've obviously been involved with baseball your entire adult life, but how early did that interest start? Um, I started uh, really being interested in baseball when I was four, actually. And the only reason I know that is because I now have a almost five-year-old son who is completely obsessed with baseball. Uh, he just happens to have much better access to baseball than I did when right. I was young. Uh, my dad was a pediatrician. You know, there was no involvement in baseball whatsoever. Um, but this year, I remember talking to my dad a lot about you know when I really became obsessed with baseball because you know my son wanted to go to every game with me and. Every morning when I woke up, I had to replay the game for him and, and talk him through it. So um, early on, I, I always loved baseball. Uh, I actually loved basketball as well, and um, those were my two sports growing up. And uh, it became pretty clear, uh, looking at my parents who are short and looking at myself, I'm 5'9", it was clear that baseball was a better avenue for me from a playing standpoint. Um, but at a very early age, I always loved baseball and always followed it you know, very closely. You mentioned that your dad was a pediatrician. I understand that you come from a family heavily involved in the medical profession. Was that something that you ever thought about or felt pressure to do? No, not at all. Um, yeah, my mom was a nurse. My dad's a doctor. You know, his two brothers were both doctors. My grandfather was a doctor. So a very medical background. And, um, no, I never felt any pressure. And, in fact, my, my earliest memories of uh, what my dad did for a living was going over to his office, and there was always at least one kid screaming and crying. And I remember thinking, what an awful way to go through the day. Um, <laughs> so uh, I never really thought about it very, uh, very closely. I also wasn't great in science. I probably, um, probably had something to do with it as well. But uh, yeah, no, I never felt pressure. Um, I will say it's helped me in my job in, a, in some random ways because uh, dealing with medical stuff is is a big part of the job. You know, every player is always getting physicals, getting hurt. Sure. Uh, so I, I spent a lot of time talking to doctors and trainers, and at least I feel like I, uh, my uh, my upbringing helped me in that process a little bit. So what was your path to attending a small liberal arts college? Well, I went to a small private school uh, in New Hampshire called Holderness. Now, my mom was a school nurse there, and, um, you know, so I went there starting my freshman year. And, uh, you know, to be totally honest, like, I I didn't really, hadn't really heard of many schools uh, growing up in New Hampshire, you know, and, um, you know, starting maybe my sophomore, junior year, uh, it became clear that uh, some of the small liberal arts schools, uh, some of the Ivy League schools, and a few schools in the South uh, for baseball were going to be the places I, I focused. And um, I looked at a lot of places, and I will say that um, something about Wesleyan grabbed me. I'll never really, I can never really articulate what it was. Uh, I really enjoyed my visit there in the summer. Um, I had a great campus visit in the fall, and you know I really enjoyed getting to know uh, the baseball coach and this uh, Peter Costacopoulos. And this, as I went through the process, uh, it, it really felt comfortable to me. And um, it's funny I look back on it now. I had a wonderful experience at Wesleyan. I worked there for three years afterwards. You know, something that really had a huge influence on my life. Um, but I probably spent less time soul-searching about that decision than almost any decision I've ever made. And I've never really understood why I treated the college process that way. Uh, in some ways, I think I was very fortunate to wind up at Wesleyan um, because I probably wasn't as diligent as I should have been. I think I was probably an immature 16- or 17-year-old, and I was probably more focused on what I was doing in that moment than my future. 
And were you specifically recruited to play baseball here? I was, yeah. I mean, I was. Uh, I definitely wanted to play baseball in college, um, and you know, I looked at a bunch of different places. And I mean, recruited as much as I as I could be at that point. I think college recruiting has gotten a little bit um, more intense over the last twenty years since I, or twenty four years now, I guess, since I was recruited. Uh, but yeah, I was recruited to play there, and uh, I definitely wanted to play in college. That was something that it was important to me in my college process. I looked at a couple of schools in the South, like Davidson and Wake Forest that were D1 and I got recruited a little bit there, but I wasn't quite sure I was going to be able to play much. And mm-hmm. so I felt like if I was going to go to college, I definitely wanted that to be part of my life there. And, uh, and it was a big part of my life there. And I'm always grateful for the, the experience and also the friendships I made. In your mind, what were some of the highlights of your Wesleyan career, both inside and outside of baseball? Uh, well, inside baseball, you know, my sophomore year, we had a really good team, and we ended up losing in the national championship game. But more than anything with that experience, and it actually reminds me a lot of my experiences working with the Red Sox and working with the Cubs, it was just a, a group of guys that really liked each other. We spent a ton of time together, and as the playoffs went on, you know, it was a very long process and a very intense process, and I think those friendships uh, got stronger and stronger with um, the shared experience of – going really far in the playoffs and eventually losing. And uh, so I really think that was a you know, sort of bonding experience for all of us that was really meaningful. Um, but I really, you know, listen, I loved my, my friends I played with there. and I loved the, that experience. And uh, I do think, you know, now having two boys and, you know, thinking about their futures, you know, I do hope they have similar experiences in sports because I do think it teaches you a lot about um, working hard towards a shared goal, which I just think is so important in any business you go into, you're gonna you're gonna be doing a lot of team related things, and um, certainly that experience helped me a great deal in college. And then you know, in the classroom, um, I felt like I was just surrounded by a ton of exceptionally bright, curious people. And you know, looking back on that part of the experience, it wasn't any one class or one professor, but more just I felt like I was surrounded by people that could push me and that's probably one of the things I look back on a lot. And one of the things I enjoyed even when I worked there afterwards is just, it's just a, a vibrant, intelligent community. And I think spending four years in a place like that, it really benefits you. So as graduation approached, what made you decide to stay on campus and work for Wes? So I left for a year. Um, the truth is, is that, you know, I had baseball my senior spring. I did some college recruiting, but not, not enough. Uh, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I look back on it now. I, I definitely looked at some finance-related um, stuff, but I wasn't an econ major. Um, and honestly, I felt a little bit intimidated by some of the things I was interviewing for, which probably, they, obviously, they might have felt the same way because I didn't get any of those offers. Um, but I did some recruiting. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then once baseball started in the spring, I was just sort of consumed with you know, being a senior in my spring term and, and playing baseball, and I probably didn't put enough time into it. And so I graduated, and then after graduation, I moved to Boston and started looking for jobs. And um, I had been a senior interviewer and, and worked in the admissions office a lot, and I got offered a job at Kenyon College um, in, in Ohio, um, coaching baseball and working in the admissions office. And I sort of took that job as a, a little bit of a placeholder. I needed a job the next year, and I thought it would be interesting and fun. And so I did that for a year, and then Barbara Jan Wilson recruited me back to work at Wesleyan. Um, and so I worked in the missions office there for two years and coached baseball. And then the third year, 
uh, was when Barbara Jan moved over to work in university relations. And at that point, um, you know, she wanted someone she trusted and knew well to help her out with the transition. And so I did that for a year uh, before I moved to Boston. Um, but other than coaching baseball, which which I really did um, because I missed being around the game, you know, other than, than coaching, at that point I was pretty far removed from where I ended up. And, you know, I will say that when I when I did um, – when I looked into uh, working in baseball after graduation, or even when I was a in my senior spring, I definitely didn't work hard enough to get to get a job. You know, I sent some letters out, and they were probably well written. I definitely edited edited them, and you know, carefully, and sent them to the right people. And but I sort of left it at that, which I always look back and regret that I didn't push hard enough to get into baseball at that time. And it was clear that was that was the job I wanted. But I just wasn't diligent enough or dogged enough in my pursuit. You know, I didn't get on the phone with people. Um, I didn't go and visit anyone. I just sort of let those letters sit out there, and, you know, obviously they, they went unanswered. So I've always – I mean, it's it all worked out well, but I've always sort of regretted the fact that at 22 years old I wasn't um, as dogged as I should have been trying to get into baseball at that point. I – read in another interview that you spent six months preparing for your interview for an internship with the Boston Red Sox. Is that actually the case? Tell me about how that internship came to pass. Yeah, so I definitely wasn't dogged enough as a 22-year-old, but um, so I I moved to Boston after uh, I worked at Wesleyan, and um, I had a job at a a, uh, consulting firm, and then that consulting firm sort of hit hard times, so I ended up working for a different consulting firm. And I was just sort of – I had a good job with a good salary, but I was just sort of bouncing around from, from uh, project to project. And I definitely wasn't fulfilled, and I think I was 26 at the time. And just starting to feel like, you know, I should be on a better path. Uh, and right around that time when I was sort of thinking about my path and my career, I got a, I got a phone call from Mark Woodworth, who's now the coach at Wesleyan, head baseball coach, and he told me um, that the Red Sox were looking for an internship. They'd hire an intern for this internship they have every year. It was one person. And the person doing the hiring was a guy named Ben Charrington, who we had played against. Uh, he played for Amherst. And so Ben was looking to hire this intern. Um, and he said, why don't you give Ben a call? And so the next day I called Ben. And you know, we knew each other pretty well. We caught up on the phone for like an hour. And he kept on actually trying to dissuade me from actually applying for the internship. He's like, you know, you've got a good job. You're older. You know, this is usually a job that goes to someone that's 21, 22 years old. And I just felt like, you know, I'm going to do something else in my career. I'm going to go to grad school or I'm going to change. I'm going to switch gears here. Why not just have a couple of years where I just focus on doing something I really want to do? And so I pushed him to interview me. I really had to call a couple of times and I sort of persuaded Ben to interview me. And so I had this interview set up and I just felt like this was my one chance, you know, and I felt like I would always really regret it if I didn't, you know, fully prepare for this interview and really just, you know, hit it out, hit the interview out of the park. And so, you know, the interview kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So finally sometime in November we sat down to interview and I was so overprepared. It was incredible. Um, but I had to be. I, I felt like I had to prove to them that he should hire this 26, 27-year-old kid, um, you know, to do this job as opposed to a cheaper, you know, 21, 22-year-old. And so I did. It took me a little bit of uh, persuasion, but I ended up getting the internship, and that really was uh, my foot in the door. 
the speed at which you moved up uh, in the Red Sox franchise is something of a legend. But tell me the story from your perspective. What did you do as an intern to ensure your success? Well, and I think I've been probably pretty self-deprecating about um, sort of how I wasn't diligent enough in the, in the first place to get involved. But once I once I had the interview set up, I prepared like crazy. And then once I got the internship itself and once I was an employee, I just felt like I really had one year to prove myself. And I basically said that I was just going to do everything I could to, to make sure that I, you know, I – remained as a Red Sox employee and then they hired me full time. So at that time they were paying me by the hour and I would routinely log 110, 115 hour weeks all the time. I just never, ever left the office. I was, I was determined that at the end of the year, there was no way they weren't going to hire me. And so I really, in some ways my, my career up to that point had led me to the right place. I realized this was a rare opportunity and one I couldn't let get away from me. And so I was, I really worked my tail off that first year. And that was the part I could control. And the part I couldn't control that I was really, I was very lucky about was that uh, Theo Epstein had come from San Diego to Boston to be the assistant GM. And we really hit it off right away. And um, I had pretty good analytic skills uh, from the consulting work I had done. And so I really used those skills a lot my first year and sort of carved out a niche for myself with Theo. Um, so the hard work I could control, but the fact that he came on board um, and we really got along very well helped me. And then at the end of that first year, and it's, you know, <clears throat> kind of well chronicled in the movie Moneyball, um, the Red Sox tried to hire Billy Bean uh, in the fall of 2003, uh, fall of 2002 uh, to be the next GM of the Red Sox. And he turned them down and so they turned to Theo to, to be the GM, and he was 28 years old at the time. He was the youngest ever at that point. And so they hired they hired Theo, and because, you know, we had been getting along so well and working so well together, uh, that just really continued. So um, I was kind of in the right place at the right time when it came to working with Theo, and he always sort of gave me responsibility probably beyond my what I actually deserved. Um, but I think I always – kind of stepped up to the challenge and um, I was able to move up really quickly. Tell me about Thanksgiving with Kurt Schilling. So that's a good example of probably things I shouldn't have been a part of early on that I was. So the, our assistant GM was having a baby and so he couldn't travel. And so I probably shouldn't have even been there, but I was there luckily because um, our Josh Burns, the assistant GM had to stay home with his wife. And so now, Theo and Larry Lucchino, who was the CEO at the time, and I flew out to, to Arizona to Schilling's house, and we had three days to convince him to sign a contract with us. Um, and after the three days, the um, that trade window would lapse, and he would be he would go back to the Diamondbacks. And if we didn't get it done in three days, the Yankees were going to trade for him after that. So we had a lot of incentive to get it done, and um, it became this national story. Um, and... Uh, that was sort of my first big break. Uh, and then I remember vividly, you know, we signed Schilling, and I remember on the plane on the way back to Boston, Theo and I were talking about how how rare it is um, to sit down with a player for three days with no agent. Because usually all the negotiating is done through agents, and that was done just through Kurt. So we were sort of saying that, you know, we could probably work in baseball the rest of our careers and never have that happen again. 
And then about um, three weeks later, uh, Theo and I were in New York City with uh, Alex Rodriguez trying to trade for him as well. Uh, they actually made a 30 for 30, um, one of the 30 for 30 documentaries about that negotiation. Uh, and that was just with, with A-Rod, um, same thing. So we talked about how we probably never had that experience the rest of our career, and we had it twice in three weeks. So uh, that, that whole offseason was just a total whirlwind. Um, and we ended up uh, – that team ended up winning the World Series, but I was sort of given two – uh, big opportunities early in my career uh, that really, really sort of you know catapulted me up quite a bit, and um, I probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. Now, your Wesleyan teammate and current West head baseball coach Mark Woodworth once said that he knew that if you landed the interview for that first entry level job with the Red Sox, that someday you'd be a general manager. But did you know that would happen? Did you realize that you were on that path? Um, not right away. I didn't, I think I realized it, um, after, so after 2005, uh, Theo walked away over a, in a contract dispute and, uh, Ben Sherrington and I ended up being sort of co-GMs for the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been working in baseball at that point for three years. And <laughs> next thing you know, Ben and I are, are co-GMs. It was kind of great because Ben had been the one that hired me in the first place. Um, and then Theo came back in January of that year, and I, I went moved into the assist, assistant GM role. And that was really the first time in my career that I actually had the thought, okay, that I'm on this path. You know, if I can continue to work hard, I probably will get that opportunity at some point. Um, but truthfully, and I mean this, that I never really thought about it that way. I always, um, I always felt like if I just kind of kept my head down and worked hard that I'd get that chance. Um, but at the same time, I, I felt like I had so much to learn. You know, I'd only been working in this industry for a, a handful of years at that point. I knew I had a ton of learning to do, um, and so I was just having a, I was having a blast. You know, I was a kid that grew up in New Hampshire. That, you know, next thing you know, I'm I'm working, you know, high up in the Red Sox organization. Uh, I wasn't thinking so much about my future. More, I was thinking, let's just keep my head down and work hard, and and you know, kind of stay in my and stay in the good graces of the people here. When you were named general manager of the San Diego Padres, that was your first time in that role, with the exception, as you mentioned, of that brief stint um, at the Red Sox. And you were replacing someone whom I understand was pretty popular at the time. What was your game plan going into that job? What were the goals that you had for both the organization and for yourself? Yeah, um, my goals were pretty simple. You know, the Padres had... Um, at different times in their organization's history, they had a little bit of money to spend. But at that moment in time, uh, they were going to have the lowest payroll in baseball. And I actually I really, really like that challenge. In some ways, I look back, even though it was only seven or eight years ago, I kind of look back and think I was probably a little bit naive at the time because, you know, when I was in Boston, you know, the one knock on us in Boston was that um, we had some money to spend and that we had had success in part because of, of money. Because I always felt like most of our success was due to the fact that we, you know, pick pick the right players, drafted and developed players really well. Uh, but I knew that was kind of a knock on us, and I really wanted to try, you know, my hand at doing something uh, with a small budget. I thought that was sort of the the ultimate test of how good you are in your job is is not having a lot of money to do it. It's sort of like trying to ascend Everest without oxygen or something like that. You know, I feel right. like that was the that was the ultimate test, and so. 
I was a little bit naive in that. I went in there and, and I felt like um, this was the right challenge to, to undertake. Uh, my first year there, we had a ton of success. And um, actually, I think as late as like mid-August, we had the best record in baseball. Uh, we ended up falling a little bit short of the playoffs. And then my second year there, it was sort of a reality hit. I had to trade some highly highly uh, priced players to get under budget. Um, but I definitely felt like things were on the right track. You know, we were building a good farm system. We were building a good infrastructure. Um, I think after I left, we had, we were ranked the, the best farm system in baseball. So I felt like things were on the right path. Um, but I definitely will admit that it was uh, it was a lot different than having been in a place like Boston or even like Chicago, where you, you just have resources to, to do every little thing you want to do. Uh, in a place like that, you're definitely uh, scraping two nickels together to get by. And um, it was a, it was a great learning experience for me. And what led you to the Cubs? Did you have any misgivings about that move, given their record at the time? Um, it was it was really interesting. You know, the, in Boston in 2004, um, like I said, I grew up in New Hampshire, and you know, when you grow up in New England, you know, the Red Sox had never won the World Series, and you know, I was, or I think it was my third year in baseball, we won the World Series in 2004. And just being a small, tiny part of that, and you know, when, you know, being being in the parade and and sort of watching people come up to Theo over and over in restaurants and stuff, and just say thank you, you know, thank you for my grandfather, thank you for my father. This is that was so amazing, and it was it was such an incredible title to win. Mm-hmm. And there's only there's only one more title like that in in kind of American sports, really, and that was that was the Cubs, and so. Just having the opportunity to, to, to come here with Theo and try to do that again was something that was impossible to turn down. Um, you know, I, I took a little bit less power coming here. You know, in, in San Diego, I was clearly the, the final decision maker, uh, and here I work under Theo. But it was definitely worthwhile for me to do that because um, it was a life experience that I knew I could never have any other way. Um, and like I said, 2004 was so meaningful. I just I wanted to be a part of the people that tried to build the Cubs from, from the ground up. How confident were you that you were going to be able to replicate that success with the Cubs going right up through to the end? Well, I, I think we were exceptionally confident that we'd build a really good team. Um, that part was never really in doubt. Uh, I think we felt like we'd, you know, we'd done it in Boston. It was something that um, you know, with time and, and we, had, we had great ownership here. The owners let us do our thing. They didn't pressure us at all. So I knew we'd build a good team, but I think that the, the challenge in baseball is, is it's unlike – say basketball where if you simply have the most talent you're going to win a title at some point you know in baseball um you know playoff baseball there's a lot of random randomness involved and so that was the biggest challenge i, I thought we'd build a good team whether we'd be that hot team in october and be able to win it win a world series i didn't i didn't i can't say i, was, I knew that would happen um but i knew we'd, we'd be able to to make you know build an exciting team that the, the city could be really proud of You've obviously had a lot of success with the Cubs, and you've just signed a new contract that will take you through 2021, as I understand it. Uh, what is it that you still want to accomplish, both with the Cubs and with your career in general? That's a great question. Yeah, yeah, we were right before the the playoffs started. Theo and I both signed you know five year deals to stay here, and you know right now I'm just loving being a part of this organization. Um, it's really been an incredible experience for me and for my family. You know, we, like I said, we have great owners. Um, we're owned by a family. They, they, they treat us like a family. Um, and like I said, they've given us so much autonomy to build, to build this team. 
Um, so right now, I think it's about my goals are about you know next year about maintaining our current level of success. Um, you know, when I look further down the road, um, I never you know my my goals are all within baseball. Um, I love building teams. And I love working with people that you know love baseball and have the same goals in mind. Um, and so you know, I'm sure. Um, you know, I'm sure my, my career will probably take different uh, twists and turns going forward. But, you know, as long as I can, you know, continue to be around the same kind of people I'm around now and um, be involved in, in baseball and building teams, and that's really where my focus is. Um, but you know what? I, I'm, I think I'm, I've had enough uh, twists and turns already to realize that, you know, I think, I think any person's career is going to take um, some unexpected turns along the way and just, you know, just continue to work hard and and realize that those are going to happen. You know, I never expected when I left for San Diego, I never expected that I'd ever work with Theo again. I thought I was going to San Diego and that's where I was going to live for a long time. And you know, two years later, I'm back. I'm here in Chicago. So uh, I know I know life comes at you fast, and um, I guess I'm just trying to prepare for that. Do you feel that you use your liberal arts education on the job? Do you think it differentiates you from your peers in any way? Well, my peers have become more and more people like me. You know, I think that's the biggest difference uh, in this industry than when I got in. You know, when I first got in, it was before Moneyball had come out. There was a handful of people from, you know, Ivy League schools or NESCAC schools that were working in um, that were working in baseball, but it wasn't a lot of us. And then now. You know, it's we probably have 20 or so people working just with the Cubs, um, with that kind of background, and every other team does as well. So, um, in some ways, uh, baseball has really changed far more than other sports. I see other sports are sort of coming around slowly um, to a more analytic approach to the game, but I think with with sort of the Moneyball revolution in baseball, um, or going to a school like Wesleyan uh, is no longer rare. Um, but to answer your question. You know, I think I, you know. I think the definition of what a, a liberal arts education is, um, I think, is obviously you know somewhat nebulous, I guess. And I, I guess what I, would, what I would always say is like, you know, every day, um, you know, we're in a room trying to figure out, you know, which which qualitative factors and which quantitative factors can we lean on to put the best team together. And I think that the debate and the dialogue is, is really fascinating. And I think every, every day, you know, forming an argument to support your, you know, your beliefs and, and trying to be creative and think of new ways to, to build a great team. And I think those are very, those are um, things that, you know, you learn going you know, getting a, a, a really good liberal arts, liberal arts education is that you got to think critically and you got to be curious. And um, I think, you know, competing in today's, baseball you have to be able to do those things and i think wesley and you know really trained me trained me very well for that jed hoyer class of 1996 thank you very much for joining me today thank you so much i appreciate it this has been careers by design the interviews if you enjoyed this podcast help us attract new listeners by leaving a comment on itunes and check out our careers by design online course available on itunes u and the gordon career center website this podcast is produced by Sharon Belden-Castingway, music by Andrew Santanello.